0: Nick Prefontaine, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero.
1: Laban, so excited to be here. I'm happy we were finally able to get this on the books.
0: Well, uh, we've had the pleasure of having your father on the show, and I've uh, had, was able to do a presentation to your your father and your brother-in-law, and uh, I'm very blessed to have the Prefontaines in my life. So, uh, it's exciting to get you on the show and uh, as a former guest of my darling Anna's podcast, the world's best trauma recovery podcast, uh, a rare double whammy.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm super excited with the uh, super excited with the connection. And you know what? You know what's even you know what's even crazier is this came not as a direct result of doing that podcast with Anna. Uh, just my dad, a few months, a few months after I was on Anna's show said to me, oh, you gotta, you gotta meet this guy. You gotta, you gotta be on his show. So it really lined up and I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm grateful to you, dad, for recommending me so highly and, uh, hopefully we can live up to expectations <laughs> here, but Nick, our, our audience is spread far and wide and they, uh, come from all sorts of backgrounds and we have all sorts of guests and, uh, of levels of fame and not so famous, but for people that meet you on a lift for the first time, when you got 60 seconds to get to the, to, to the ground floor and they say, Nick, what do you do? What's your response?
1: My response is it all, it all starts uh, dating back to when I was at ski club with my friends and the first, the first run of the day uh, we saw it. We went right over the terrain park where all the jumps were. I knew as soon as I saw it Laban that I had to go off the biggest jump that there was. And so I buckled. I buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air and confidently charged towards that jump with all my speed going into the jump. I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow. And that was the last thing that I remember. I was told, I was told later that I landed on my head and I wasn't wearing a helmet. I, the hospital, the paramedics wanted to bring in a helicopter to rush me to the hospital. However, they weren't able to because it was too windy. Once I got to the hospital, they met my parents there and shared some pretty grim news, which is he's look, he's probably not going to ever walk, talk, and eat on his own. Even if he is, he's going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. And that's where that's where my journey began. Um, I was in a coma for three weeks. It was a partially induced coma, so I really don't remember a month. After a month, I was transported to um, a rehab hospital in Boston, and that's where I began my journey to learn how to walk, talk, and eat again. Um, And my goal from as early as I could communicate, Layman, was to run out of the hospital, that was everything that I was shooting for was to run out of the hospital. Um, Fast forward less than 60 days later, I was able to do that. I was able to run out of the hospital, but I of course still had to go to outpatient therapy and rehab and things like that for another six months. But all in all, um, I was able to graduate on time eighth grade with my class and then go on to high school. If you fast forward a short 18 months later, I was knocking on uh, notice of default doors. So pre-foreclosure doors. And all that means is a fancy way of saying that these homeowners had missed several mortgage payments and they were behind and the bank had sent them a letter of when the foreclosure was going to be. And that it's publicized in the paper. I was gonna say obviously, but maybe not so obvious. It's publicized in the paper. So it's public knowledge. So then I would go and knock on their doors and try to at the time I was only 16, but at the time I was trying to set meetings up with our investors to meet with them and to help them out of their unfortunate situation. That was only 18 months after running out of running out of the hospital in the rehab hospital in Boston. So um, as you can imagine, there was uh, some. Some uh, grim scenarios that I was able to encounter, and I would go to the highest concentration where the most um, NOD doors would be, the notice of defaults would be. Um, I was 16, I didn't really consult anyone at this, so probably not the best areas to buy properties in. Anyway, I didn't, it didn't make a difference to me. I just wanted to hit the most amount of doors in a day. Um, was able to be continue to be successful with that and buy properties throughout the rest of my high school career. Then after graduating high school, I got my real estate license. Drum roll, please. Um, March of 2008. I know everyone's probably thinking, wow, what a great time to get your real estate license in America. Uh, shortly after that, and really right along with that, the, the walls were uh, the walls were crashing down with the, the crash of the market and everything like that. So I'll take a breath and I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, just keep going too long. If you have any questions with that.
0: Well, I'm curious to know the, the learning how to, to talk, like, has there been any enduring legacy from the injuries? Um, That you're aware of at
1: least? Yeah. Residual, like residual effects. Well, I was able to, if you asked, If if you were to ask me five years ago or 10 years ago, if there was any lingering things, I would say, oh, no, 100% no, I made a full recovery. And I did make a full recovery. However, after getting my real estate license, and this actually goes perfectly with what I was going to share, after getting my real estate license, I was working for several years as a successful realtor. And one of the things that I was doing in my quest was... Uh, chanting my scripts, um, reading through all my scripts before I were to get on the phone, before I was to get on the phone. So then that way my energy would be up and I would really know what I was going to say and communicate when I got on the phone. Well, I interpreted that as, oh, okay, I'm going to screen through my scripts. And not only will this get my energy up, but it will really reinforce the, the scripts in my bones. Well, after six months of doing that, I caused a lot of damage to my voice, uh, to my vocal folds because if you can picture it this way, and this hasn't been confirmed, but I think this is exactly what it was. The voice specialist explained it to me. The picture of healthy, this is a healthy vocal, vocal folds, like both sides. When you when you talk, when you yell or or scream or anything, they go together, and then they come back, and then you're able to have a normal conversation again. With me, I would, that screaming I was doing, it would tense up like this, and then when I would relax, one would get stuck because of my accident, um, and that is that is what's termed as a um, like a uh, a voice issue, a, a uh, spasmodic dysphonia um, in my voice, like a muscle tension, dysphonia. So I actually had to work with a specialist in Boston for, geez, uh, eight years. I was getting treatments and working with his specialists and voice therapists there to, uh, not only break down the layers of muscle that I had built up and compensated for, um, from six months of doing that yelling, uh, But also retrain myself, retrain my voice how to speak correctly for the second time because I had to learn how to talk after my accident. So I had to do it again from 2013 to the last treatment I had was in February of 2020, right before the world uh, world shut down.
0: Yeah right. So I'm just I'm naturally curious because I when I was a baby when I was four I had bacterial meningitis and I had it for about a week before I was um, even seen at the hospital uh, because the idiot doctor sent me home twice because I had uh, a fever and um, I did just a fever of the brain and the meningitis right and uh, for a long time I thought I had some residual uh, brain damage as in, I couldn't remember anything, but it, what it turned out to be, it was that growing up, uh, growing up in a very stressful childhood, uh, there was a lot of escapism. There was a lot of like, uh, compartmentalizing those, a lot of memories that were buried away. And so as I started my healing journey, my memory started getting better and better and better. And, better. and it's gotten out of the point where it's like limitless, you know, Bradley Cooper and, uh, and I really thought for a long time, Nick, that, that I had done some permanent damage there. So despite all that adversity, it gives you a very distinctive voice. And for a motivational speaker, I would argue that that's a real blessing in disguise. What do you think about that?
1: Ah, uh, Absolutely. I actually, you know what, Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself, Laban, because when I, when I was going through this, this is very interesting for everyone to hear. When I was going through this experience, when I think my voice was at its roughest and the way I can explain it is it was almost, it was, it was like difficult to get the words out. Like someone was like, really had a tight grip on me. It didn't hurt, but it was difficult to get the words out. So going through that was the best training to be, and I had done motivational speaking and, and some public speaking prior, prior to this. However, um, it was only always like a one-off event here or there, but this was the best training because I got to learn how to use the voice properly, how it's supported by the breath, and to be able to endure for long periods of time without without tiring, without wearing, because I know how to use my voice properly now. Um, it was a blessing in disguise, going through it. Um, there were some tough moments as with anything, and I'm sure you can you can imagine that. you have you have to keep going. And that's one of the things that common goal that we teach is you have to continue to take your next step. Once, once you get going and once you've taken your first step, whatever that is going to be.
0: Yeah. It's an area of interest to me. Cause I, I was fortunate enough to have uh, a guy called Vin Jang, who was like my third or fourth ever podcast. And he's a, uh, a Vietnamese originating Australian guy who is, was, one of the best platform professionals in North America. And he, you know, he was touring with people like Gary Vaynerchuk and that kind of thing. And he spent a long time mastering the, the art form of using his voice as an instrument. We understand the power of language and words, but learning how to use our voice in a way that tells a story and that resonates and triggers the dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin response from, uh, you know, the, 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 the tingles that you get down your spine when you hear a really powerful story. It's a really interesting thing to, to think about from my perspective, because you not only have you had to relearn how to talk again, like you're going to have to, or you have to have to relearn how to use that voice as an instrument. And I'm curious to know, have you ever done any uh, singing training to to help with the voice side of things?
1: I don't, I don't, I don't think you or, or anyone else within Within listening distance, would uh, would <laughs> would appreciate that. Let me ju- let me just put it that way.
0: Well, I no, think I'm. Haven't. I'm not going to ask you to sing, but in <laughs> terms of like, I've uh, there was a guy called Roger Love, who's a uh, celebrity vo- vocal coach for people like Gwen Stefani, and I think Tony Robbins has worked with him before as well. And really, learning how to sing is the same process as learning how to use our voice. And if you go back over recordings of my voice, you know, from five or 10 years ago, I sound quite different. Uh, my father's right. a retired radio announcer, so I, I was exposed to that that area. It's just a really interesting thing. And if you maybe if you haven't uh, gone down that path, it might be something worthwhile investigating to see whether you can further enhance and relieve, you know, any of that strain so you can really lean into that power voice, you know, like that.
1: Yeah. No, it's actually interesting you say that because a lot of the people who would come to this specialist in Boston were singers. I get asked all the time, every time I would go there, I would go there uh, two or three times a year to get treatments, to get uh, Botox uh, injections, treatments in in my vocal folds. I would go there two or three times a year and each time I would get asked, um, oh, are you a singer? They everyone because they work with a lot of singers, so it's actually with the therapies and everything that they have going on there in Boston at the um, Mass Pioneer, very similar paths with uh, speaking and just regularly, you and I talking on the street, uh, motivational speaking, like performing. And singing, performing, there's a lot of there's a lot of commonalities. You need to know how to use your voice properly. So that that's very interesting that you mentioned that.
0: Yeah, well, what, what's interesting, uh, Nick, is that a lot of people say to me, "Oh, wow!" You know, particularly Americans as well. They love they love my voice for some reason, right? They say, "Wow, you, you know, you got such a gift." And and I need to explain to them that I've worked really hard at learning how to use my voice as an instrument. I've still still got lots of stuff to do. And incidentally, my ability to hold a note, and I've got three siblings who are really good singers and play music, and I don't do any of those things, but I can hold a note way better than what I used to. And uh, and I've done the work, you know, like I've spent a long time doing the good, 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 boo, 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 you know, all these vocal exercises. And if you look at someone like Ed Sheeran, if you look back at him when he first started as a singer, he, was, he actually had a terrible voice, right? And now he's got the, the voice of an angel. So that, that's why I find it so interesting. Like most of, the, most of the adversity that we overcome from a physical point of view, from what I'm learning and the people I'm talking to, can be uh, improved to a point that we're even better than we were before the incident.
1: Absolutely. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that because if it wasn't if it wasn't for the voice issue I wouldn't have had the training you talk about training right like Ed Sheeran went through training or whoever singers go through training I would the specialists and their therapists would give me exercises that I would have to do two to three times a day and I would do them religiously So I had to break all that down and then go through the proper way of training my voice up uh, to get it to speak like I am today. So, yeah, very interesting that you mentioned that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, mean, given the fact that you weren't able to speak and now you're a professional speaker, I think is a testament to to the effort and the motivation that you've put into kind of bouncing back from something.
1: Absolutely. Phenomenal. I appreciate that.
0: So, so Nick, what's, what's important in your life these days?
1: Uh, Really what's important in my life is working, doing the work that we're doing now with common goal, which is uh, we're working with people that are going through trauma crisis or a life challenge, or they just feel stuck. And the main, the main crux of that Laban is we're supporting them and helping them with our STEP system. And STEP is an acronym that we created to, to help people to get through to the other side of their trauma, setback, or life challenge and make it through to the other side where they can then achieve their limitless potential. So as I said, it's a STEP is an acronym. The first The first letter S is support. And you need to make sure that you have your support lined up right at the start. This can be family, friends, relatives. And by doing this right at the start, it's actually going to save you hours and hours of actual time, worry, and frustration in the future. Uh, T is trust. So you have to, you have to trust that once you take your first step, the next step is always going to be available to you. And this also goes back to trusting yourself. You have to trust yourself that you have this desire, this calling inside of you to follow like a goal, for example, a goal to run out of the hospital. When I first got in my accident, my parents had made the goal for me to make a full recovery. From as early on as I can remember, my goal was to run out of the hospital. Therefore, our common goal was for me to run out of the hospital. That wouldn't have been possible, Laban, if I didn't trust myself and I didn't listen to that deep calling inside of me. E is energy. You have to make sure that you have your energy. Um, And then this comes back to if you don't have your energy, how are you going to be able to... um, How are you going to be able to work with and affect individuals to the highest degree possible that are going through a trauma? So this is health, diet, and exercise, that kind of thing. P is persistence. So persistence, once you take your first step, keep getting up every day and taking your next step, no matter how small. So that's really really the the crux of what I'm excited about and what we at Common Goal are helping people to uh, move on with a life challenge, crisis, or trauma. And, and that's what I'm
0: really excited about. Awesome, Nick. And how do, how do people find this organization?
1: Uh, they can go to our website, nickprefontaine.com. And if they do forward slash step, they can sign up to receive Our free PDF, the ebook called Step, which is going to work them through. I just gave you a high level, like ten thousand foot view, Cliff Notes version of what uh, the Step system is, but it'll give you the full. It'll give anyone the full Step system um, once they uh, once they enter in their info, and it'll help them get started today.
0: So uh, the, all the links for Nick's website will be in the show notes. for it's on YouTube, it'll be in the uh, in the section below. So don't worry about that. And Nick, what about the relationship with this real estate family of yours? Are you still involved in this in any capacity, or are you a lone wolf?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm still I'm still running um, running our business with uh, my, both my dad and my brother in law Zach and our our family team. We buy and sell properties here locally. Um, and then also I'm supporting, there's that word again, supporting and helping our associates that we have all over the country uh, once they do get their properties and to help them get them sold and to find good rent-to-own buyers. So I'm still I'm still very much involved in that Laban.
0: Yeah. And I, I asked your father, um, and I'll, I'll release these, hopefully release these podcasts one after another so you can go and listen to your dad's one as well. Uh, I asked him what his thoughts on the impending uh, property market are, are going to be doing, which is a question I'm sure you guys get asked every single day. And and I'm basing this on a number of things that I've seen that are uh, trying to stay away from the doom and the gloomers, but it looks like there's an event that's due to be well, likely to be far worse than what happened in two thousand and eight, and I'm just curious to hear your own thoughts on that.
1: Hmm. So, my personal thoughts, if I if I knew the answer to that, leave and I'd be I'd be with you <laughs> in Mexico right now. Actually, I'd probably be over in Cancun. <laughs> There'd be no reason to, to do what I'm doing. But no, in all seriousness, um, I, I don't know. There's uh there's The good thing is that turmoil in the market in one way or the other is I don't want to I mean, the term good is not um, not what I'm looking for. I just can't grasp the term right now. But um, in any respect, we're able to best help people, both buyers and sellers at any point in the market. So it doesn't matter what the market is doing. we're always able to provide a solution and help buyers that the conventional world, the conventional world of real estate get a loan or pay cash isn't able to touch.
0: Yeah and you, regardless, you did
1: regardless regardless of what's happening in the market. So I, I actually I'm a, sorry to jump on you there i'm I'm excited sure. about whatever's gonna happen. If it stays screaming hot like this for the next 10 years, awesome. Highly unlikely, but awesome. We can still help people. If there's some kind of a correction, we can still help people.
0: Then I think it's a a great way to look at it rather than just being like black or white, isn't it? Because it's during 2008, uh, you hear about all the people that went broke, but you don't necessarily hear about all the people that made out like robbers, you know, like, uh and let's let's hypothesize for a second right let's pretend that the market corrected and on average drops 25% what kind of outcome would that cause to the to the the whole global population
1: uh it's definitely going to be more it's going to be more opportunity for us as investors um and what i mean is uh with we're going to be able to buy property more easily. Um, And then in turn, we're going to, and we're still buying property today, but we're going to be able to buy property more easily um, at that point. And then we're going to be able to affect and help a number of tenant buyers that just for whatever reason can't get a loan today. So I think it goes hand in hand. It really does.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. It's it's. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by because uh, we were in Australia for a long time, and Australia didn't go through the correction that 2008 brought to mainly the US and other parts of the world. And and I think it seems to me that my my intuition might be that Australia might suffer more than most, but. I mean, you don't wish that on anyone, really, do you? It's just one of those things. I know we've gone from snowboarding accidents to real estate, <laughs> all this other stuff, um, which I find so fascinating. And I hope that our audience does too.
1: Well, you might have to keep me posted with that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I want to, I if, if you have some tips on investing, I want to I know <laughs> where
0: to the Well, I'm not in the market at the moment.
1: Australia futures, or something like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: I don't know, man. If I, let's say I had an amount of money at the moment. Um, that I could muck around with that stuff, I would. I absolutely would. I don't know if you can – can you short the property market? I'm sure you can somehow. Um, I've been re-watching movies like The Big Short and, and a few other movies, which I find uh, quite interesting. And, and what, what, I, what, I'm, what I find really interesting is I watched a movie uh, – re-watched a movie last night called Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone uh, and um, Wesley Snipes. It came out probably – After you or before you were born, nineteen ninety eight.
1: You're you're very generous.
0: How old are you, Nick?
1: Generous in your appraisal of um, when I was born, but continue. I'm not going to (laughs) so.
0: So the movie, the movie is set in the year twenty thirty two, and it's like it's it's in a place called San Angeles, and after a major uh, earthquake of two thousand ten. So the movie's 1996, right? 2010 there's a major earthquake. Now, in 2010, a major earthquake hit New Zealand, and there was a few other countries. There might have even been um, maybe Indonesia. I need to check these, but definitely New Zealand. The one that that actually killed people in 2011 uh, happened in February of that of 2011. But there was a huge big. It was like a seven, six point eight, but it was only a few kilometers deep. So it's really violent, did a lot of damage. So there's that. And then they got this utopian society where swearing's forbidden, meat, salt, sugar, like, and 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 back then, you know, looking at it, you go, oh, that's hilarious. And then all of a sudden, this stuff's starting to come to, to fruition, right? And you just wonder how much insight do the people that put these together have? Are there some people that have experienced time travel or have some kind of um, spiritual connection to the future that are able to predict this and they just tease us? And, And I wonder if those same people, if they do have some knowledge, have any idea about what's going to happen with the property market. So this is just how my brain goes sometimes.
1: God, I love it. We we were we're all over the place today. I love it. Full range. <laughs> we got a full range of audience now. a full range of interest.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I um interestingly enough, I had a guy called Flat Earth Dave on the podcast the other day. And um because there's there's no judgment, and and in my journey of healing and discovery, I've become way more tolerant to or accepting of other ideas right because as I've grown and evolved uh, I've I've swung around I used to be a very uh liberal left-leaning individual and and, and as my views have changed I'm more libertarian more conservative in many ways and uh, and who would have thought right and so it's just fun to to play with some ideas and to talk to a guy that believes the world is flat and and to understand his reasonings behind that and even the research for the for the podcast, I came to, to learn some things that I didn't know before, and I think that's the beauty of life. No one would have ever wished your snowboarding accident on anybody, but the fact that it happened, how many learnings, how many blessings have come out as a result?
1: Um, too many to count. Uh, really too many to count. I mean, I, I think... Um... I think part of the reason or one of one of the things is an appreciation for an appreciation and an acceptance of life and what life, what life throws at me um, because I was able to learn a lot while I was going through that experience. And then after the, a few years after that experience, which is of um, almost like a test layman. So of how much it really showed me how much. Um, my body and my spirit can handle. So there is nothing, there is nothing that um that is in the back of my head, like, Oh, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Whatever happens, I'm, I'm confident in my ability to bounce back and to be able to
0: handle it. Do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today, Nick?
1: Yeah, I know. I know we covered uh, quite the range of um, of subjects here and topics, but uh, bringing bringing it back to bringing it back to common goal, um, our company is that if you, if anyone out there is going through a life challenge, crisis, or trauma, um, I just I just want to encourage them that. Once they take their first step, there will always be a next step available to them. And as long as they trust that the next step will always be available. So there's a caveat there that they have to take the first step. But as long as they are taking the action to at least take the first step, um, there's no telling what they can accomplish to get on the other side of their suffering and into their limitless potential.
0: Nick, I really appreciate that, and I, I wonder if you would just give a shout out to the podcast that you guys have with regards to the real estate side of things.
1: Sure, it's the uh, Smart Real Estate Coach podcast, and they uh, they definitely can look that up. We we have a wide uh, wide topic of specialties and niches on the show, that so I think it would be interesting. If anyone's interested in any bit of real estate, like you're just sniffing around and, and wondering how to get started, head on over to that website, SmartRealEstateCoach.com, and right there on the right there on the homepage, they can get registered for a free master's class. It's thirty minutes long. And if at the end of it, they determine that it's a good fit for them and it's not a good fit for everyone, but if they determine it's a good fit for them, they'll know how the next steps for them will become apparent. They'll they'll be able to see their way through the next steps um, if they're interested in any way. But you don't know in the, unless you check it out. So I definitely encourage it, everyone to uh, head on over there at smartrealestatecoach.com and get registered for that master's class.
0: Yeah, and the thing I love about the... The whole family, really, Nick, is that the the way that you guys go about your life is very heart centered. It's very service orientated. You are natural givers, and you know, in all the quagmire and all the the confusion around who to deal with and and uh, what you what you put out is as a family is really fantastic, and you should be so proud. And Nick, we touched on it before, but how do people get a hold of you?
1: Ah, uh, they head on over to my website, which is Nick prefontaine.com and that'll help them to take their first step today
0: ladies and gentlemen nick prefontaine i got superpowers superpowers working seven days a week and 24 hours yep i got the business saying this for
1: sure is up to something why don't you come and visit? just on
0: it's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this if you have your own podcast, or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O es.com.